As the 20th century turned into the 21st, writer Warren Ellis and artist John Cassaday created a comic for Wildstorm meant as an homage to pop culture icons of the past hundred years. From classic superhero archetypes to Wakanda, from Godzilla to Vertigo comics, each issue of Planetary created a different pastiche, blending the frontier between homage and commentary. But does Planetary transcend simple homage to state something deeper? Or is it too shackled by its admiration for pop culture to rise above its inspirations? Join us as we delve into the superhero worlds of the last century. Welcome to Extra Issues. Hello and welcome to Extra Issues, the comic book reading club podcast where we choose a theme and read through a selection of comics that explore that theme. Our current theme is superhero subversions, and this month we are discussing Planetary. I'm Zach, whose inevitable fate is to one day be found as a skeleton who died worshipping a mile-wide mile nipple. And I'm joined by Charlotte, <laughs> who, according to our podcast's harshest critics, is not only a social justice warrior but is also a 196, 833-dimensional snowflake. Uh, thanks for joining us, Charlotte. <laughs> Hi, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to join the Marvel Universe as its newest hero, Snowflake. Oh, wait, has that already been cancelled? <laughs> oh, God, I forgot all about that. Who, who was yep. writing that comic? Snowflake and da Safe Space? Daniel something. Uh, he wrote a Loki comic. I can remember his name. Da Daniel something, I guess? Kieran Gillen, probably. It sounds like a Kieran no, Gillen. No, no, <laughs> that's... <laughs> How dare you, first of all? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. That was a, a personal slight against you. Uh, anyway, we're not here to talk, talk Marvel Comics, and we will never talk Marvel Comics on this podcast, unless it's relevant later uh, when talking about Planetary. We're here talking about Warren Ellis's and John Cassidy's Planetary, um, a comic I have been a big fan of for a while. I read it about ooh, seven years ago for the first time. I like sat and mainlined it over a weekend and uh, all 27 issues of it and really liked it and uh has been i bought the omnibus i think immediately and then have been like i don't know uh excited to reread it and excited to talk yeah. to you about it you uh, yeah i, you I actually, piped it up for you a lot over the years right <laughs> you actually i think you read it like the first two issues on twitch two years ago something like that yeah i did i was playing around with like trying to <laughs> i guess do kind of a comics kayfabe like the YouTube yeah. channel thing of like discussing comics. It's hard. It's really hard to do <laughs> to like break yeah. it down. I'm not smart enough to do that. So, uh, but yes, I did. I did do that a while ago. Um, it's a, it's a Wildstorm comic, uh, which I don't think at the time was part of DC, although I could be wrong. I don't know that much about Wildstorm, despite liking a lot of their comics. Um, it is, it was released from 1998 until 2009 which is kind of wild for 27 issues it had lots of hiatuses lots of breaks um especially wild for a comic that is very um what's the word like it, it needs it, it, there's a continuity through this comic it really works in one or two sittings because of like the behind the scenes through lines that run through it i can't imagine reading this as it comes out and being able to remember all the like names yeah that's that too much one sitting is also too much because it's <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I'd be not annoyed. I'd be bored really fast in one sitting. Yeah, Charlotte, no. This this is uh, extra issues. First rumble. Civil war. <laughs> yeah, civil war. Let's call it uh, our first rumble on this. Where uh, I'm pretty positive on this comic. Still, I'm not as positive as I was the first time. My appraisal of it has yeah. come down a little bit, but I still quite like this comic. Uh, Charlotte does not, so we're we're gonna get into. Yeah, that. I'm looking at my notes. I have like what 15, 20 notes. I think maybe three of them are positive. Than <laughs> that, oh, uh, and you have some way, pretty Wilson, funny. Wildstorm was had just become a, a DC imprint, or was becoming a DC imprint in 1999, where when the first issue came out, which makes right, sense yeah. because there are like two. There's a uh, planetary Justice League crossover and a planetary mm-hmm. Batman crossover, which we haven't read. Uh, I'd yeah, I didn't read. Curious, I guess, of reading them. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after. Because I am. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that at the end, I guess, because the idea of crossover. We, I should have just read them so I can state on them yeah. and not theorize. I mean, but that idea works way better than any kind of Watchmen crossover, <laughs> at least. Yes. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Um, yeah. yeah, Wildstorm is interesting because Wildstorm is like its own universe, kind of like the DC and the Marvel universe. But also, then it's just a yeah. publisher who does independent comics like Image, right? Yeah, because, so, I know nothing about the kind of, like, characters that live in the Wildstorm universe. Is Planetary part of the Wildstorm universe? Because I feel like it's not... No, I, I not could see really. being, but because, like, other superheroes are referenced, or, like, the existence of, of other su- superheroes is referenced in Planetary. I think like, Planetary has, like, see. Some, some minimal crossover with the Authority, which is okay. a more major part of the Wildstorm universe, uh, which is also another Warren Ellis property. I think Warren Ellis, and then I think Morrison worked on it, and Miller, uh, Mark Miller, among other people. But anyway, that is part of the Wildstorm U, and then like Wildcats and Stormwatch and a bunch of other things. Uh, so no, I don't think so. I don't think Planetary has much like sprawl beyond this. Besides, like I think they're okay. mostly like curios, the way it crosses over and other stuff. But then like Wildstorm's interesting because it's you know it's got X Mach and other Brian K Vaughn. It's got Kirk Usex, Astro City. It's got a few Alan Moore series. Um, his like America's Best Comics line, which is top ten. It's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think it's Tom Strong. Which are all, like, their own things. You've got Stranger in Paradise, The Boys, which we're going to be covering in a couple months. Yeah. As part of Wildstorm. So they're they uh, they're an interesting publisher. I don't know how much they're still doing. I don't think they work as a, like, publisher much anymore. I think they're just kind of a DC offshoot. But um, they've always been something I've been curious to dive into more, like, their universe. But that's, uh, that's not this. Uh, before we jump in any farther, uh, if you want to support this show... Um, at time of recording, we're actually not sure if the show has its own feed on Apple Podcasts. We haven't decided <laughs> when it goes public if it's going to have its own feed or if it's just going to be on the My Marvelous Year feed. Um, but if you're listening to this, whatever feed you're listening to this on, whether it's the My Marvelous Year feed or if Extra Issues has its own feed, a review on Apple Podcasts is appreciated. And um, if you want to support the show monetarily uh, over on Patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year, uh, $5 a month gets you access to the spreadsheet with the full list of all the comics for this, for my ultimate year, for my marvelous year, access to our Slack channel, which is a really great comics community. I've been seeing a lot of chat or chatter over there about Watchmen and now yeah. a little bit about Planetary. And, and how then, good our episode about Watchmen was also, which is um, nice. <laughs> yeah, just if you want to read people praising us for, yep. <laughs> for what you're listening to right now, it, it's a little bit of, uh, it's a little meta. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you know, it might be, a, it's a little bit of a, a brain effort if you think about it. You pay us to <laughs> Ooh, watch us get praised by you. Um, 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also join uh, join our Patreon to to be able to vote on the last episode we're going to do on superhero subversions and like for every every theme we're going to do for this show, we're going to put the the last uh, the last episode to a vote for which uh, which comic we're going to tackle. Uh I don't have the list of the comics for the last uh, episode right I do. in front yeah, of me. I've got it. So you next have... next month we're going to be doing uh the 2019 Kieran Gillen series Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. The month after that, we're going to be doing Garth Ennis's The Boys. After that, we're going to be 1982's The Alan Moore Era of Miracle Man. And then our last episode, the sixth episode in this series, is going to be the listener choice one. So, um, which I don't have. Yeah, no, maybe you're, that's what you were saying. I don't have the list. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> potential <laughs> Thanks ones. Thanks for Zach spinning it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, off the top of my head, I think, this is my, my memory, is... Irredeemable, isn't it? Top 10, we've got The Authority... We've got uh, Gail Simone's The Sleeper, um, and then Mark Wade's Irredeemable, and there's one other yeah. thing I'm forgetting. But uh, those, and you know, if you have any great ideas for something I should add to the list for the poll, let me know. Uh, I think that's it before we get into the comics. Anything else, Charlotte? Nope, I'm good to go. Okay, so the, the first thing I want to mention, uh, Warren Ellis. We're talking about a Warren Ellis comic. Uh, oh, yeah. It is something we should just acknowledge all the sexual coercion allegations uh, against him that have been out there for about two years now. Uh, he's been at first very slow to respond and almost like like feigning ignorance that like he even knew <laughs> like there were all these allegations. Yeah, like his like, defense was, oh, I never realized I could have I had power over, pe- over other people as one of the most famous uh, writer in the comic book industry. I mean, not even that like. Because that's, you know, almost a, I don't want to say understandable, but, you know, like people, you you have your blinders on for stuff, you know. He, he, I'm thinking he gets accused in July 2020 by many, like 35 women. There's like 35 allegations against him. And you can go to so many of us.com uh, for like yeah. an incredibly de- detailed academic project, more or less, on the way that uh, all these testimonials, and I was reading through some of them today. Uh, and it's uh, it's a fascinating project, and it's a very brave project. It's like incredibly brave and uh, gracious. Like the women who came together to put this site together, like the way that they're responding to this, which is like, it's not up to us to cancel Warren Ellis. We're not looking to cancel him. We're not trying to destroy his career. Here's how he can reconcile with us, like giving him a path forward. Um, the thing that really, you know, was frustrating was this came together in like July 2020. And then in sometime in early 2021 uh ben temple smith was like yeah warren ellis and i are going to be doing fell for image comics yeah. <laughs> and people were like no what no he hasn't like said a word <laughs> uh, about these allegations like he hasn't responded in you know the women at so many of us.com were like no he has not reached out and ellis for the first time was like hmm i was just made aware of this website uh i'll reach out <laughs> and it was like are you kidding me <laughs> like you haven't name searched once like Go to your own Wikipedia page. You will find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scroll down to the sexual coercion allegations section. Anyway, so I encourage everyone to go uh, read that. I do understand people's hesitance to uh, to engage with the work of somebody like this. I think that's a very personal choice. Um, you know, like your comfort level, you know, often it depends on how much you can feel that in the work, right? Like a Woody Allen movie feels very Woody Allen <laughs> and it feels very uh, representative of some of the allegations made against him. I don't know if that comes through super clearly in this. I think maybe in Transmetropolitan a little more. Anyway, uh, you know, so if you're not comfortable reading a Warren Ellis comic and 
Uh, I feel I totally understand. Uh, I think I think it's just kind of a personal choice for for different people. Okay, well, with stating that, uh, we'll talk about the comic. Ellis at this point, I think, was at the beginning of his big, like the big steps in his career. Like late '90s, early 2000s is when he was doing Transmetropolitan. He was doing Authority, um, and uh, I think he had had a Hellblazer run. Um, and then planetary, so like in lots of other smaller projects for like Image Comic and stuff. Um, Desolation, Desolation Jones, I think, was coming up soon. Anyway, this was like I think we've even of... seen him in. I can remember where exactly, but I think we've we've even seen him in My Marvelous Year by this. Yeah, point. he did that um, late nineties. Yeah, he did the Venom mini that we read. Oh that, uh, right, that like single the issue Carnage Venom. thing. Yes, that's what I mean, Carnage. Yeah, that yeah. was quite good. I like that uh, that single yeah. issue. So. Um, and I think he did some Wolverine in the 90s. He wasn't, like, big into superheroes. And he, this was, like, him moving away from traditional big two superheroes. He goes back to it yeah. later, I think, for some X-Men. And then, as we read, in Ultimate Fantastic Four, which is not a disaster, but also pretty boring stuff uh, when he does yeah. the, the Ultimate line. Yeah, I forgot he does, like, a big event for the Ultimate line. He does a fair amount of the Ultimate comics, and they're never really yeah. noteworthy. Um they don't, I don't think they live up. And then he does the extremist Iron Man stuff, which is pretty big. Um, we'll probably read that for my ultimate year or my marvelous year when we get there. Anyway, uh, so this, that's like where he is at this point. Um, the other uh, creator on this is John Cassidy. Um, somebody who I think this was his first big project. Uh, and what a project. We're going to, I think both of yeah. us, you know, Charlotte, I'm sure even with how little you like this comic, uh, have a lot oh, yeah, of my, my favorite Cassidy. part is definitely what Johnny Cassidy does. Yeah. And he's going to go on to like, he does the Joss Whedon Astonishing X-Men run. I think he does 24 issues of that. He does oh, some Captain America. From... <laughs> and it's interesting, like he has this, he's lumped in with the, um, what they call like widescreen comics. I think it's actually a Warren Ellis term from this time, which is like kind of using not not only just using a widescreen format of like an aspect ratio almost of a widescreen movie but just kind of a more cinematic more action oriented comic book um more like a movie so like brian hitch i think is very much lumped in with this um frank quietly as well and uh like brian hitch we've read in the ultimates like mark miller's ultimates uh and then this like is a really great example of that and we'll, we'll get into more of that but john cassidy interesting i think I'm completely speculating here, but his career seems to like kind of go away around 2010. Although he did do the Star Wars revival in 2015 when Marvel and Disney yeah. obtained Star Wars. I think that's a Jason Aaron comic. He did the first six issues of that, which was huge. And that's like about the last thing I see that he's worked on. So um, I don't really know. I'm not sure if he's just kind of retired or if he hasn't been able to find work. I think he is a notorious perfectionist and is slightly slow in hitting deadlines. Uh, and I think that can be a real, uh, you know, editors don't love that necessarily. Obviously, yeah. uh, this comic, like we said, came out over nine years, 27 issues. I think a fair amount. Some of that is Ellis taking some hiatuses, but I think a lot of that is Cassidy just really needing the time um, to do it. And you can see it. Like when you're reading this comic, you're like, I don't know how you do this month by month. Like this work is really involved. It seems really carefully plotted out. Um, I mean, the covers by themselves, like, that's... The covers if you, are if, you, if he was just doing the, the covers, like, that'd be enough. <laughs> that would still <laughs> be like, like, yeah, I can... I see why this takes you a month. <laughs> right, yeah, for cover. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about it in broad. Um, Planetary is 
a series about a small secret organization named Planetary, whose purpose is <laughs> a little unclear, and I want to get into that later. Um, yeah. But they're kind of an investigation team, and... Like, it's hard to actually parse out their exact motives. You keep, like, for a while, you're just running on the fuel of, like, we got a call that, you know, there's these murders happening in Hong Kong. We got to go check it out. And then, like, eventually at some point in the comic, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, why are they checking this stuff out? Like, what is the I mean, they that? the word that's used always is, like, they call themselves archaeologists of mm-hmm. the, like, weird and super heroic. Um, which, is like, I guess the idea would be that they, they're here to, like undercover the secret and understand why why they're happening how it works but not nothing beyond that just for the sake of understanding what what happened uh right, yeah even yeah. then it's like well it becomes clear when the like the end game of the series gets revealed by like two-thirds of the series what they're actually doing or like their their actual purpose uh but yeah for the first i don't know 15 to 20 issues it's like kind of just an, a pretext to have those uh like singular issues in uh, in different contexts and meeting different characters and uh, different uh, like one-off stories well the way you're describing it which i think is the way the comic describes it like makes it sound like almost like an academic like like they're almost like museum curators or something going to collect yeah you know curios and like a like experiences is something they talk about a lot so like they, they use the language of, like, we're here to, like, save experiences and save the strange in the world. Keep the world strange. Um, and there comes a point where you're like, oh, okay, well, this is, like, an analogy for something. This isn't a real, like, you, you at, at a certain point in the comic, I was starting to realize, like, there's not a material backing to this, right? There's not a government behind them saying, like, you know, they're doing this for some kind of shady purpose. There's not a... A monetary reward it's not to collect power it really is kind of this like larger theming and i want to i want to put a pin in that because i think we should talk about the overall theme before we discuss that specific aspect yeah. of it um so they they like you were saying they do these single issues and it is because it, it's planetary is investigating all these singular incidents and i think this is a very serialized comic like every issue is really its own issue and it's part of a larger tapestry but like this is the issue with the Hong Kong 80s uh, revenge like action movie. This is the issue that has the Doctor Strange microverse stuff. This is the issue that's the Vertigo comic homage. Everything is homage in this. And it's all pop culture stuff. I, I have a list here and I'm just going to go through it so and we can highlight our favorites and stuff. <laughs> but these are just references that I marked down as I was going through and I'm sure I missed can you do on the Can you do it on the rhythm of the Pokemon rap? <laughs> okay, just a second. Um, no, but I'll try. Pulp Heroes, Justice League, Godzilla, uh, 80s Hong Kong, action, crime movies, Fantastic Let's War, do it Doctor again Strange, on We Didn't Star Start the Fire. Uh, yeah, I guess that is what I'm doing. Lone Ranger, Constantine, Vertigo Comics, James Bond, Steranko, Nick Fury, uh, Eagle the Living Planet, and... Oh my god, I just saying that, I'm like, there's so many more than that. Like, Anyway, there's there's a ton here. Yeah. Um, so, so we immediately I mean, there's start... 27 of them, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess 25. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there, there's almost a... F- there's a few issues that don't seem like direct reference to things. Although... Yeah, and some of them go back to, to yeah. things they've already done. Like, I, there's at least, I think, two Steranko Nick Fury issues. But also that, like, Nick Fury guy is also James Bond, right? Like, it's not yeah. just Nick Fury. I mean, he does, you know, he does these amalgams of different things. 
Um, although some of it is clearly like uh, Jim Steranko, Nick Fury. Like uh, he had, did you did you pick up on that? He's got the devil's paw, I think. Yeah, which, which is, is like, I can't even remember what the the name in Marvel Satan is. Satan claw. Yeah, the same. Satan <laughs> Nick claw, Fury yeah. has the Satan claw in Marvel, yeah. um, which is. So you get and, very, and the cover is like straight out of a of a Steranko. Totally, like, totally, yeah. Shield comic. Well, and so something that like I think both of us love about this comic is that John Cassidy. While maintaining, it's it's not like he does this chameleon thing where he totally mimics these different styles, yeah. but he does shift the style to pay homage to it while like retaining, like like there's a unity of style throughout, which is this like fantastic realism that he has that then also blends together all these different things so he can do the like the golden age pulp heroes and the James Bond comics and the Doctor Strange multiverse stuff. And, like, every issue yeah. is its own vibe and its own story, especially the covers. The covers are all very it's, much their own beasts. It's kind of a miracle how cohesive that whole world feels while, like, going into 25 different genres mm-hmm. and, like, very different vibes and atmospheres. But it feels it still feels like one cohesive world and story. And the, the characters still feel real in any genre they're in. Yeah, I think that's the pleasure of this comic for me. Like, if I had to really point to one thing, I think, and I think that's probably almost, like, that's the fun that Warren Ellis wanted to have, is to say, like, here's everything I love in pop culture. And he's a pop culture guy, right? Like, this is not a political comic. It's very lightly, like, interested in people and humans. But, like, I would even say, like, most of that is, it's pretty slight. (laughs) I think it's largely... It's a comic about fiction in large parts. It's a comic about comics, almost, exclusively. About there's comics, few, for the most part. Yeah. Not as much as I thought it would be. I thought it would be mostly focused on, like, Marvel, DC, and, like, Golden Age stuff. And it's not 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 that much, but, like, it also does a lot of movie stuff, uh, like Godzilla and uh, a lot of um, Asian-inspired uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of, like, which, old pulp stories, like, yeah. pulp serials. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's... Like, if I had to... If I had to really sum it up, um, it would just be that like Warren Ellis really wanted to just play in all these playgrounds that he loves, right? Like, and John Cassidy, and I think John Cassidy is what really brings the heat here. Um, but Warren Ellis yeah. being like, I love all those old Golden Age heroes. Like, I want to make some of my own. It feels less like like I've seen some criticism over this, and not not uh, like negative criticism, like just uh, comic criticism. Of people talking about like how this is, you know, what's the line that Warren Ellis said about this? He said, uh, just a second, I'm going to find the actual quote because <laughs> I'm going to disagree with him uh, on this. <laughs> I wanted to do something that went deeper into the subgenre, exposed its roots and showed its branches. Um, what if you had 100 years of superhero history just slowly leaking out of this young and modern superhero world of the Wildstorm universe? What if you could take everything old and make it new again? Okay, the second part of that I agree with, like taking old stuff and making it new, because I think that's something that like you were just mentioning is really great about this comic is that it does have Tarz- like Tarzan and the Fantastic Four are linked here. And it feels like one continuity from like the Golden Age into the Fantastic Four into a modern day like yeah. 2000s gritty superhero comic. I think that part is really successful. What I don't think it actually does is like expose its roots and show its branches, whatever, like except in kind of a pretty topical way. Like there's a few little instances of commentary, but for the most part, it feels just like 
hey, I love this old pop culture icon. I want to make a little bit of one myself, right? It's not subverting it. And so we put this under superhero subversions. I don't know how much of a subversion this is as much as it is just kind of like a love letter to stuff. Well, yeah, it's it's very metatextual. I guess in a way, Watchmen is too. Like it's it's talking about superheroes and using that with, without like... I don't know, this is more of a straight-up superhero story than Watchmen, because, mm-hmm. like, the main characters are kind of superheroes in a way that I actually didn't expect. I thought, like, their surrounding world will be, like, meeting different superhero types and archetypes, and they would be less that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's less of subversion than, like, melding the, the superheroes as, like, literary things and, like, m- trying to meld them with the the cultures in which they're born and, like, the, I guess, general consciousness of the time they're in, like, what they're born out of, um, like, the fear of, uh, like, the the mindset out of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki for Godzilla and all those kaiju monsters, uh, the, like, general, the Thatcher era for the Vertigo, like, mm-hmm. British comics waves. Yeah. Um, but like it's but like that's about I don't know maybe a lot of it is too obvious for to be really interesting yeah yeah Yeah, Uh, I I mean the the vertical (laughs) issue especially oh boy that although I love easily the worst right like that's I I mean mean, yes but also I love the idea that he he canonizes that Margaret Thatcher sent a ghost to kill baby Jesus right which I love that is pretty funny that's a very funny idea that yeah there's a uh a ghost for like, hire, basically, m- like, the, the second coming of Jesus. They, like, Jesus keeps coming back to Earth. There's a new virgin birth, and, uh, but Margaret Thatcher is the one who just keeps stopping it from happening. And going full on, like, Margaret Thatcher is the devil, like, that's, yeah, I kind of like that. But yeah, the, that issue is way too obvious as tying the, the Vertigo stuff to, like, the, the British subte- political subtext. I mean, it doesn't have, even like, make a subtext. subtext. Just they text. literally just say out loud, yeah, yeah. like... Why else, you know, like Sandman, Morpheus, and Death are there from Sandman, as well as like Constantine and Swamp Thing and a bunch of other Yeah, like there's a, there's a funeral for a John Constantine type, and, and like you just have basically the Vertigo characters at his funeral and that's it. Which is like, okay, except then they're just like, and these, these characters are awful grim and gritty, huh? Yeah. Well, what do you expect from uh, an era of such fascistic tendencies, uh, you know, yeah. the 80s Thatcher era? economically was like and it just goes and it just spells out exactly like. and it's like i guess we'll come back to it but it's it lends it's uh it delves into the most annoying parts of the comic to me which is when i mean one of the most annoying parts of the comic to me which is when the mm-hmm. characters are talking directly to the reader mm-hmm. and not to each other like there's a point where the characters are at the funeral are looking at all the, the vertigo type characters and one of them says they all look kind of dumb don't they and like mm-hmm. yeah kind of looking at the reader like oh it's a, it's a product of their times and all that like that's not interesting to me it's too i mean like i said obvious and yeah that that, that whole issue is particularly strained to me i i think i think what you're saying like them speaking t- like when he's talking about kaiju movies like he all he's i mean what he's saying with that is like the kaiju movie is bloated and dead <laughs> right like it, it was yeah. once this huge you know larger than life aspect of pop culture now it's bloated and dead and i'm showing that through the fact that like there's an island full of their dead corpses and people are still trying to like gorge themselves on it i think that's okay like that's interesting enough because it's not turning to the camera and being like i i don't know like you don't 
a character's not saying, like, these used to be powerful, but now there were so many of them, and they were so <laughs> cheaply produced that they all died, and now people are just eating their corpses, right? Like, there's a little bit more subtlety. But that's about as deep as this goes, I think. Yeah. Like, I think the Golden Age superheroes open a portal in the, not even Golden Age, like, the Platinum Age, right? The, like, the pulp heroes of, like, Tarzan and the Spirit and uh, Tom Swift and Fu Manchu open a portal <clears throat> and the, like, Justice League comes through. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Justice League, like, kills <laughs> all of these pulp heroes. I guess they killed the Justice League, too. But, you know, the message there clearly, like, of being, like, there's conflict between these two groups and, like, one is overtaking the other. Um, th that's, like, where the messaging ends here. It's not really, like... It's not commenting on it particularly in any interesting yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, it's also it's almost encyclopedic in the way in the way that so the main character. Uh, I mean, okay, one of the characters basically writes a guide that I think is called the Planetary Guide, yeah. which is supposed to be a guide of everything weird and like superhero-y in that universe for mm -hmm. for the twenty for for the twentieth century. Um, and like, I guess Wallace Wallace <laughs> Warren Ellis. Uh, kind of does that with planetary for like 21st century, 20th century fiction. Like planetary, the comic feels like a almost an encyclopedic guide, uh, almost in the way that like Marvel's um, what are they called? Official handbooks feel, uh, mm -hmm. and like, and the story is also is almost pretext for that. Um, and I, the story sometimes works for me, like outside of just being the pretext for that. But uh, yeah, especially the first half, I guess, of the comic before the like through line really picks up and goes towards the ending, uh, feels a lot like that to me, like a weird like paying homage, but also we're doing it slightly worse than the original thing. Okay, so this uh, is where more we're gonna. Often than not. This is where we're gonna split. I don't know if it it. I certainly wouldn't say these are better <laughs> than like this yeah. is not a better version of Fantastic Four. This is not a better version of a kaiju movie. But I think like where you and I really split on this is where I do think that Warren Ellis has enough creativity and, and in the art here, a lot of it is the art with Cassidy. And there's enough creativity at play here. There's enough like freshness mixed with the kind of nostalgia for this, that like this works for me. This is like a fun breezy ride through these like interesting throwbacks. Um, yeah. And I don't think they're more than that. Like, you know what it reminds me of, too? Um, it reminds me of, like, Scream or Cabin in the Woods, which is both both horror movies yeah. that are both, like, loved because of people who love, like, the tropes of those horror movies and then those, like, pick at the tropes. Uh, I also think those movies don't particularly do anything more than just say, like, we're writing a love letter, like, to the tropes that you love and know, and that's fun, but it doesn't, like, go deeper than that. Like, it's not deconstructing it. It's not particularly commenting on it right so like i'm trying to think of good examples of something that does that um the ballad of black tom by Bic victor laval yeah yeah it's a lovecraft story it's like a lovecraft novella that is like simultaneously did you read that when we did that in our slack book club too? i did yeah cool yeah I, I was wondering if you'd have the same point of reference um it's simultaneously like it is a lovecraft uh like cthulhu mythos story like it's just solidly that on its face but it is also in conversation as a Victor Lavelle, as a black man, writing a Lovecraft story, you know, in the shadow of Lovecraft's racism that permeated his books, right? And it is 
like it, it it's saying stuff about the way these but stories he's, work. He's using the, like yeah, I agree. He's using that Lovecraftian style and like aesthetic and genre to tell like a very strong story he has to tell, which I don't think is the the case for at least like I said the first half of Planetary, where like the the story is mostly focused on the singular issues and the singular homage to to different things. Yeah. And like the for a lot of it it's like all style and very little substance. And ev- even that style is like to me doesn't work because I just feel like I'm seeing a copy of a copy of a copy of the original thing that I yeah. would be interested in. Um and like, to me, I like think the that like shadow of a shadow that you're talking about, I do think is for me is interesting enough and is like compelling enough that I want to keep reading and that I'm enjoying my yeah. time with it. But like here's so, the thing. To me, there are moments where it works, but when it is applied to the story, like the central story he's trying to tell with Elijah Snow and everything, mm-hmm. like the there's like we first see there's a there's a Nick Fury slash James Bond character that we see in like an issue at I guess kind of midway through the 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 comic. Uh, that's like supposed to be a Jim Saranko homage to his like sixties uh, Nick Fury Agent of Shield comics. Oh, can I just, like, can I just point cover. out what there's a moment with him, and uh, we'll get back to what you're saying. Yeah, but I just I, I can't forget to say this: the moment where that guy, the James Bond stand-in, they're sitting on a park bench talking, and he just flicks a cig- his cigarette butt at a pigeon's head and kills the pigeon. That made me <laughs> oh, laugh so. That. Really. <laughs> It's like three panels. Yeah. He's smoking. He flicks the cigarette, and the it just like ricochets okay. off the pigeon's head, and he <laughs> dies. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> of just like him casually just killing a bird with his uh, cigarette butt was so funny to me. Yeah. And then also, uh, that's that's the same scene where Snow comes up as the uh, the Bond stand-in is talking to a woman and like flirting with a woman on the park bench, <laughs> and Snow warns her off, and is just like, "Yeah, I know what happens to your women." <laughs> <laughs> Which is another like James Bond. I think he says like, yeah, I'm I'm here with the like, um, the World Health Organization. That man's carrying like, <laughs> he's oh, like yeah. a walking uh, <laughs> STD, right? Yeah. STD, yeah. Yeah, he he says that, but then he also just references that like, yeah, every woman in a James Bond movie ends up dead. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So you you were saying. No, yeah, I was saying, like, that initial issue, which is trying to play a lot in the the Stranko style, doesn't work for me because it feels like a way lesser and watered-down version of that style. Even, I mean, it's hard for me, it's tough to me to say because I, I really love what Cassidy is doing here, but, like, even visually and, like, stylistically, I don't think it it succeeds. And, like, okay, so about the the, like, the art, I really like what John Cassidy is doing here. I would be curious to see the version of this where it's like almost a different artist every issue and like playing, being more specific with the, the visual style throughout the issue and not just in the covers. Um, because like, because by trying to stick to the like more condensed, realism, I guess. Yeah, yeah the, the more like, yeah, that realism, it fails at like getting that special magical formula of specificity of those different styles and like i i especially saw that in the serenko issue um, but then like towards the ending there's an another issue where the the main characters go after the the nick fury type and like try to to get him into their custody and so it's just almost a full issue of them hunting him and him getting to do like all his best spy in the world tricks like almost teleporting through through a wall and like 
using the, like you said, the, the devil claw that's an homage to the Satan claw in Marvel. And like, that works for me because it's, I don't know, it's part of the, it's part of the story and it can be part of the style while ref- referencing the, the Jim Sterenko comics and stories and style. But like, I don't know, because it is used to, for the like greater narrative, like directly, uh, it in- enhances it instead of diverting from it and like reminding you of how little there is behind it. Mm. I, no, I hear, I, especially, I hear what you're saying. I think, hmm, yeah, it, it's like without that main narrative being a larger part, because the main narrative of this narrative of this really hangs out in the background, like from the majority yeah, espe- of this, like for like, the most, especially for the first two thirds. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. Like the first two thirds, like the most you'll get for a larger view is like little winks and hints at like little bits of interconnectedness, right? You'll be yeah. like, in, when they go to the Hong Kong. Uh, that ghost story, the 80s cop ghost in the Hong Kong issue, which is number three, there's like a wink that there's a some huge ghostly mechanism that has the same dimensionality as the like snowflake uh, that is representative of the multiverse that they see in issue one. And that's it, right? You get like a wink that like there's something connecting these two events in issue one and three. For me, that's enough. Like, for me, I think that works. Although I will say, like, I don't walk away from this being, like, the overwhelming narrative of this knocked my socks off. I think no. by the end of this, like, I'm mostly <clears throat> riding on the enjoyment I got, like, moment to moment as a well-done, like, sci-fi fantasy action comic. Like, And I also really think there is, there is a structural problem for this comic in, like, the balance between being an, an anthology, like, serial comic with each issue be... be, be being sorry a different homage or like pastiche of uh, another genre and then the like narrative through line of the the fight between planetary and the four uh, which i'm sure we'll go back to but are the the villains of uh, of the story um because like in the end like in the ending he tries to tie back a lot of things we've seen throughout the comic and like i i get that it's supposed to to be like feel like payoff and feel satisfying on this level and some of it does uh, work on that level but some, some more than th- other, yeah. Some more than others. But I think the problem is when I'm reading the, the first 15 issues, I don't know which ones are going to pay off or not. And it's hard to, like, remember everything. So by the end, I'm like, it's too little too late. Like, I I can't remember where that guy's... Co- I mean, I can't remember what that guy's deal comes from that you're bringing back to, to pay off. Because, mm-hmm. like, I didn't know that I had to pay attention that much to that story more than the, like, Hong Kong, Hong Kong ghost uh, cop. Yeah, like, like the Hong Kong ghost cop comes back a bunch. The kaiju never, right? Like never. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think also that's part of like, <laughs> for me, this works. Reading it in a weekend, I think it works best as one big thing. I can't imagine reading this over nine years and feeling like you got yeah, any sort and of because a like there are experience. a lot of named characters, but you have names with this. Aren't... I don't know. There's like. 15 maybe <laughs> it's not that oh, crazy the, they do have very but i don't know names. like it's like dawson and there are a lot of time where they're talking about a guy and i'm like wait that guy oh no that that other guy i don't know the uh, remembering what the name of the the woman at the end of like the big corporation is and then there's the like former agent of uh, planetary but like none of them come up enough time that i remember what their deal is 
Yeah. So like, it, yeah, it feels like a, a bit of a jumbled mess of of uh, of names that I can never remember which one is which. And by the end, like, I get it, but it makes for a lot of confusing uh, dialogues uh, in the meantime. Uh, because I, like, I didn't yeah. really have that issue, but like, I, I, I don't know. I think the because the majority of the names. Okay, so the names for the Fantastic Four stand-ins, those didn't like those don't even really feel like they're fainting towards the original ones at all so that like yeah except except uh the thing like jacob green i think ben Grimm, like it's oh sure green, Grimm i guess is but basically then it's the same randall name. dowling kim Susskind, yeah the rest of them william don't. leather <laughs> i will remember william leather because like what a name but besides a cool that name. <laughs> like everybody kind of like john stone instead of james bond like that reminds me of that uh brett leather is <laughs> like an old uh like the well, that's the cowboy's son. I think. Anyway, I think they have distinct enough names for me, at least. I I didn't have that uh, that same experience with this. Although I, I maybe like I, just because I wasn't as taken by the comic, invested, my brain didn't yeah. didn't yeah. do the work to to remember everything. Sure, I, um, I definitely can. So yeah, I'm like <laughs> hopefully people who read this, who read this, like even the first time you read it, you didn't have any problem with it. Mm-mm. But again, I think I read this. I remember <laughs> it was actually Rose was visiting. Um, the grad school that she ended up going to and getting her PhD at. And, uh, and she was like on a tour of the campus and meeting the potential, her potential, uh, boss and lab and everything. And I like just sat uh, on campus somewhere and read the book for like four hours. And I think I read the whole thing yeah. basically in a sitting. So, you know, that's why I'm saying like, I think it works really, it works for me well as like one big yeah, experience. but I, I, it also I read goes... like maybe three sittings. So like, yeah, yeah so it's in like, like over you... the course of two days, so uh, I, yeah, yeah I don't know. It was still fresh in my memory. I don't know. Maybe mm. uh, yeah, like I said, maybe my brain just didn't do the work. <laughs> yeah, which, which again, I absolutely, <laughs> I understand totally. Being like, I'm not that invested, and then so like so putting this stuff away in your memory. And, like maybe that goes. I mean, do you have uh, something more to say about that? Because I <laughs> I'm about to to slide into the <laughs> another problem I have. Mm, nope, nope. Please go on. <laughs> yeah, because so maybe that can take us to the like Alice's dialogue and like interpersonal banter between his characters mm-hmm. and like and his characters will agree on this. a lot of them <laughs> yeah yeah the a lot of the banter and like jokes between the characters annoyed me so much that my at some point my brain just started like gliding over them so maybe like that was also a problem that i didn't focus as much on the specifics of the dialogues but yeah his humor is something i think in my notes at, at one point i like describe it as somehow worse mark miller <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me, I, let me write, I don't let me agree with something. that, but like it is to uh, me in it, some it's, parts. It's very glib. It's very like well, it's oh, not it's even so glib. I mean, it, it's it's the same era and the same tone as like Whedon stuff, right? And we both. It's funny in our notes we share the same document for notes, but we both separately wrote the. I said that out loud, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, we both marked that one. Which like, uh, come on, man, you have to know this like lines like like. Uh, an explosion so big it looked like Satan farted, uh, or yeah, oh, I, you know, like we'll we'll attack the embassy, rip to the teats on fine cocaine, right? Like it, it's a kind of mixture of like trying to. Be now like, you tell me what your damn problem is, or else I'm gonna find a very small hole and reenact your birth. Yeah, that it, that feels like Mark Miller. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does. It, it's like a mix of trying to be, sound like well educated and well read, but also. Like threatening, which they're never threatening. Like I, I guess yeah. it's supposed to be like kind of yeah, I don't know, menacing to to the enemies. But it's, God, it's so yeah. It, so it bad. doesn't happen enough, <laughs> and it's not there's not a density here of it that it really aggravates me. Uh, and it's not like 
generally offensively bad. It's mostly just kind of like to, to well, me it reads as a little exasperating, and I'm kind of. Like, I guess this my isn't problem is that it's it thinks it is. it's for it's concentrated into the, mostly into the the characters of like the three agents of planetary, which are like which we didn't even present. Uh, so the the main character of the comic basically is Elijah Snow, mm-hmm. who like is introduced as a character that can control. Cold, basically, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. kind of uh, Elsa from Frozen, like, except he doesn't heat, create big uh, ice cultures. Yeah, yeah, um, and he's introduced as like kind of mysterious. He he has amnesia. He doesn't remember a lot of his past, but he knows that he's very long lived, and he has a he has had a history with like the superhero world of Pantry. And he the first issue is him meeting the character of Jakita something, I think. Mm-hmm. Jakita, yeah. Uh, who like is the introduces him to the world of planetary recruits him and he's like she's very fast and very strong basically um and then the third character is the drummer who's like a technopath basically he he has to do Ooh, with yeah. like information contained to computers stuff like that and like, like can, he can see even information contain, which which then does yeah, become he can see like, information. there's an interesting like an idea float around this comic that like information is like an underpinning of the universe, like almost a... Yeah, and I'll say he, they do fun stuff with that, where he, he also sees magic, because magic is kind of like the the binary code of the world. Uh, yeah, like, it's not, it's they, not they, like they some he fun sees stuff just, with the drummer's powers. It's not like he just sees information in, like, the technological sense, although he does. He also just sees, like, information, because it is like a... like a sub... Uh, subatomic source of... I don't know, structure and energy in the world. Like, it's almost another dimension. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff here that is, like, Ellis playing around with, like, sci-fi ideas of, like, you know, the world is actually a 2D dimension. You know, we, we exist on a stack of 2D informational planes, and the third dimension is, like, a simulation of those blah, 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 whatever. It kind of works yeah. in the time. Like, most of this is, like, fun and intriguing to me. But... Yeah, let's talk about the characters, yeah. Yeah, for the f- like for the the whole first part of the comic, the premise is that you're following these three characters in their planetary adventures from the point of view of Elijah Snow, who's like the, the newcomer, the fresh recruit. Um but like you're supposed to follow these three characters as your like protagonists, and they they're barely characters. Like mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. They have lore. Like, they have history, but they don't really have personality. Like, their personality is, like, one line. Jakita is, like, I don't know, serious, a, a, I a guess. A serious, tough fighter. I think that's about Yeah. Like, the drummer, the drummer one of the is weirdest like, characterizations of the drummer, where they talk about him continually like he's insane. They even, like, literally introduce him as, like, he's, you know... What? He's crazy, but he's useful. Yeah. And, like, like he never comes across as insane, does he? Like, no, he's just, like, <laughs> mildly neurotypical. <laughs> yeah, but, like, like, mildly. Like, this is someone that yeah. you have met and interacted with. Regu- like, you probably have someone, like, the drummer in your family. He's pretty normal. He's just kind of, like, a little, uh, like, a little ADHD, maybe. <laughs> yeah, basically, like, <laughs> like he, he always has, like, his two, um, what's his name, like, uh, drumsticks, drumsticks yeah. in his hands and, like... Using them everywhere, like yeah, I guess yeah. Then I mean, that's I mean, that's about unusual, the craziest thing about him. Crazy, like, <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. They Generally. characterize him like you know, yeah, yeah. They keep talking about how like this is the drummer. He's insane, but he can see information. I'm like, no, he carries a coherent conversation most of the time. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I I don't really understand and like, that. 
they try they they do some banter between Elijah Snow and the drummer where like he the this the joke is like Snow's grumpy and drummer is like getting on his nerves and like it, I mean to me it was reminiscent of Ben Johnny in like early Fantastic Four like their mm-hmm. their banter and making fun of each other but like it's the most dire boring version of that where yeah. none of the banter hits. And yeah, there's not yeah much it's it's charm hard to, it to get yeah. it. To, yeah, exactly. The charm is the big part that's missing, and like the personality to get attached to them. Like the most I'm interested in them is like mildly curious of the mystery behind Elijah Snow, but that's basically it for the most parts. Yeah, I like, like they I do like... a very very late issue going into the drummer's backstory mm-hmm. in a way like that they couldn't have done earlier because him, like yeah. it's. It uses, like, the past of Snow and, like, stuff that's revealed later that is, like, kind of secret stuff. And I like that issue. It helps. It helped me get attached to the Gemma in a way that I hadn't for the first 22 issues. Uh, but, yeah, like, it's very dire on that level. It doesn't... It didn't help me get interested in the core of the comic. And so because of... Because the specifics of the single issues didn't work for me either, like, it's made for a very uninteresting... An interesting hole. Yeah, they're they're definitely. I like what you said. They're more like lore than characters. If you read the like yeah. three sentence synopsis on the Wikipedia page for each of these characters, you kind of get their whole deal, right? Like especially vi- Jakira, because Jakira never has more than like her secret origins, and that's it. Although, yes, it's true. Although I like her the most of all. She's my favorite of the three, but it's mostly because she's just kind of cool. Like she's tough. She's like she gets the big fun action moments. She like kicks a car to stop it <laughs> like she when she takes down yeah. the james bond guy it's fun like she's just a fun action hero but yes she doesn't have much more personality besides like being up for the job and being like kind of cool and tough um yeah that, that's and it's not like they yeah i agree like I, I totally agree this is i mean this is one of the huge things that separates this and watchmen for me which are comics that don't even really belong in the same conversation oh, like, no. <laughs> as much as i actually really like no they comics, don't because uh, like you know it's not I mean, operating on the same level at all like those comics like you know those people inside out you like yeah. by the end of that comic you understand who Rorschach is and you understand Night Owl and like these are people who you you know feel like you intim- have a very intimate portrait of like you said it, it's funny I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page it says Elijah Sh- Snow IGN named him 54th of their top 100 comic book heroes that's crazy to me <laughs> like what is What's his deal? He's got, uh, he can do snow things, and otherwise he's noble but good. He's tough but brave. Like, it's, he's incredibly uh, one-dimensional. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I don't think that's, like, a particularly big draw. Of this. It, it's almost like I was thinking, like, with that drummer issue that really does kind of, like, get you some sympathy for the character and some understanding of him. It's like, does this comic need more of that? Or, like, would I even want that? Like... To me, I don't think the comic needs to be bigger. I think it works as it is, but, like, what it does is not, like, it's not shooting for that higher level of, you know, like... But I do think it's missing that, like, a central core of, like, either characters of, like, strongest story to get attached to mm-hmm. on which yeah. to to build the, like, the specific homages. It certainly like, would be stronger if there was a, like, yeah. more human core. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Like, I... I, I can't say that that's a strength of the comic or that it wouldn't be better without yeah. it. I, I don't like, but, I don't think it suffers as much for me as it does for you for that. But like, yeah. uh, yes, I, I totally understand. Um, yeah. Okay. So the, 
<laughs> the other, uh, I, I want just to mention a few, like, I love the action in this. And I think, like, some of it is, like, incredible, like, staging. And it, it almost gets better as it goes on. Like, Cassidy's work just gets, like, cooler and cooler to me. There's a few sequences yeah. at the end that I really want. I just want to call out, like, ideas and individual moments that I loved in this. There's an issue where they're talking about, like, a city. I think it's called City Zero which was a city where people were, like, experimented on and tried to be, like, I'm not even sure if it was the government or if it was, like, the the four. Um, it was probably the four. Experimenting people trying to create metahumans. And they talk about all these, like, horrifying <laughs> experiments that people were putting, put through and these, like, body morphing. And they talk about how they made someone, like, Giant Man, like, from Marvel, but their body expanded to become a giant but their brain remained the same size. Their brain didn't grow with them. And then when they did the autopsy, they found their brain like suspended in the center of their skull uh, with nerves, like ropes <laughs> coming out yeah. from it to all ends. The horrifying, like disgusting, creepy image. Um, there's, uh, I really love the issue. It's number 19 where they send angels to space. They have all these angels who are here just as like- That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, I, their design is really cool. Like- to me, we were just talking, but before I keep going, we were talking about Marvel Boy on My Marvelous Year, a Grant Morrison comic, and w an issue I've had with some of Morrison's work, and I haven't read enough to like make this a, a larger statement about their work, but an issue I do have sometimes is that they'll be like, isn't this a cool idea, and then move past it, and they don't explore it. Uh, and then like on the other end of the spectrum, you have Hickman, who is like, here's a cool idea I had. Let me write a whole source book about it. And I'm going to flesh out every aspect yeah. <laughs> of it. Even if it's not pertinent to the comic, I'm still like diving into my idea and trying to think of like all the facets of it. I think Ellis lands like somewhere in the middle here for me where like, here's a cool idea. It's not a fully like realized world that we're exploring. We're not learning like the culture and the language and the, you know, social implications of all this, but it's just enough that it's intriguing to me without feeling slight most of the time, not always. So, like, when the angels go explore this derelict space station, I think it's a, a rendezvous with Rama um, homage, the uh, Arthur C. Clarke book, which I really love that book. But it's like a oh, cylinder. I thought it was... Oh, what is it? I thought it was just Galactus and Silver Surfer. <laughs> like, maybe, big... maybe... The... I think, I mean, it's probably kind of both, like... Yeah, uh... I mean, w with some of this stuff. And I'm sure there's there's references both of us missed. Yeah. Even um, the Watcher, because, like, they're, they're supposed to be monitoring and, like, getting knowledge uh, from yeah, I never everywhere in the universe yeah, they're very watchery yeah 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 totally um yeah i like the tone of the angels where like they're he held prisoner but <laughs> like planetary keeps worshiping just them their... information yeah. and the angels keep talking about how like they love them they're like they want us to know that they love us uh and it's like they're just their yeah. prisoners but they're just content because they're being fed information and their ship runs on information like and they rewrite the information around them i all that stuff is very fun to me yeah and then the world that they land on which has a corpse of this giant uh where like you can see like just in the body of the giant there's different tribes set up like some of them are set up on the fingernails and like use the finger meat as a source of sustenance there's a whole tribe that lives like i think in the nose or in the mouth of the giant um like, an entire ecosystem has sprung up around just this enormous corpse that's floating in space. All that was very fun and just suggestive of something. And then a circle of uh, of skeletons all hanging tight to the nipple. I, I mean, really <laughs> funny. Part. <laughs> it's a really funny little thing where, and they're all like, it looks, you think they're tied? I thought they were all like worshipping it. 
to me. That was my. I don't know. I I didn't know if they were like rushing it, like holding to dear life to the nipple. <laughs> oh, I, I I read it as they were all just there, like bowing down and worshiping. Yeah, it. maybe. Uh, yeah, that's a good joke to me. Um, the the stuff where that the Lone Ranger homage at the end, the Dead Ranger, and the like, the visual image of him bursting out of this like black cloud <laughs> to enact revenge yeah. was incredible. The um that whole rescue sequence of the drummer was really really exciting and like so well staged. Yeah, I mean, I really like that like that backstory issue that, for the drummer issue. where yeah, please go. Yeah, where Snow like basically it's like the 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 four are holding. Children. I don't even know if the drummer is the only one with powers or if they all have pro- powers, but like making children create the internet, I think. Mm-hmm. Something <laughs> like that, yeah. And like holding them prisoner and treating them horribly. And um, and then like Snow and team come in to, to save him. And like, yeah, it's 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 a very fun issue. I, I don't know. I don't know very clearly what, if it is an homage to something, what it is an homage to. No, I, I, um, I mean, I think some of it, it just turns into, like, action sequence stuff. Like, that one yeah, has but like, the... Yeah, it's... That shot of them leaping out of the uh, the window as the yeah. ship passes by over three panels and showing, like, the their ship passing them and then as they're lowering down, the net passes right under them to catch them. I think that's, like, uh, an excellent sequence. Um, yeah. Of, like, silent action, you know, that just lets the, the visuals speak for what's happening. Um, so yeah, like there's stuff like that throughout. I like the ghost cop, the bullet bending when the ghost cop fires, the way that Jakita, you know, kicks that oh, car yeah. to, to stop it. Like, I think there's lots of really great action stuff, but you know, whether or not you become invested in that, uh, you know, maybe maybe that has something to do with how enjoyable you find it. Um, I like. Yeah. <laughs> I want to point out here uh, that there's a Kazar slash. Uh, Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. In your notes, yeah, you I say, see you highlighting my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does Kazar <laughs> animals? Yes, for sure. Uh, because yeah, it's. And I think it's yeah. It's half Kazar, half Tarzan, and they're visiting like a Wakanda esque nation, um, and very condescendingly, like not viewing the women there as like worthy of his romantic attentions. But he's like, but I have had many loves in the jungle, <laughs> just yeah, not the so women. The first time I read, it was like, oh, so did he like? Was it with men then? Is he is he gay? But no, like the phrasing is like with people, not with no, women. It's certainly it's like, that he like, said with people. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm thinking monkeys. Like I'm thinking apes. I don't but... know. I, I I'm not sure. I want to know. <laughs> mm, I do. I want a whole issue yeah. about it. Yeah. Um. I like sure you know, the note here about the Doctor Strange microverse issue. That's like That's one of those on. issues that has like he goes and visits a woman who's kind of a Doctor Strange analog who talks about how like you know they're they're so focused on this big picture thing dimensions and you know like the vastness of space and the space between different dimensions but they really should be looking on the small scale and there's like this whole running thread about how souls are actually like a uh, i don't know like a, a physical function of the body there's like information I mean, it's and basically energy. explaining how the world of planetary works where like the souls are like the only thing that's alive in people and like when we bury them their souls get like integrated into the soil of earth and like that's magic quote-unquote makes the earth weird like that's why there is magic and weird stuff Mm-hmm. And uh, like psychedelics, so, right? Like it, it yeah. becomes seeps into certain plants and that's, you know, what causes peyote and ayahuasca to like give you these visions because it's the, you know, physical material of the soul leaked into it. Yeah, all that's like fun kind of 
I don't know, thought-provoking stuff. And I really like the, the aspect of this where, you know, they literalize the soul as this energy thing. And then there's a place where people can go to obliterate their souls so that they don't carry on. Because if they're worried about an afterlife, that doesn't... Yeah. Because they talk about how, like, the afterlife can become this battle between different dimensions or something. Um, but then that whole issue confirms that because there's a whole... There's an underlying idea here that the universe... Like, the dimension as a, like, oh my god. I mean, the thing is, like, you sound stoned when you're talking about it outside of the comic. I think in the comic, <laughs> he explains it legibly enough that you're like, oh, that's that's kind of fun. It's interesting. It might not mean much, but, like, it feels creative. So, like, the, the universe itself creates its own protectors to protect the world, like, every hundred years. Yeah. So, like, there's a bunch of people they call century babies, and they are long-lived, and they have these abilities, and they're there to, like protect this world and its universe and our main character elijah snow is one of them and in this issue he finds out that like yeah that's why you're not like other people to the point where you don't even have a soul you're not an actual human you exist outside of humanity that's such a big character moment <laughs> where this man finds yeah. out that he doesn't have a soul like when he dies he's the only like he's one of only a few people who when they die just dies and that's it they will not continue on in any form like everybody else and that's as far as it goes. Beyond this issue, he never dwells on it. He doesn't think about it. I feel like this isn't <laughs> something that you would be like, well, this will inform the character, right? Knowing that his entire I mean, existence is kind of this. I feel like that's falsehood. the thing where it has more meta meaning than it has like story meaning. Because to me, what it means that the those century babies, which all become like pulp heroes, superheroes and everything, like are literalized as being fictional characters in the world of Planetary in comparison mm -hmm. to the sure. like real people who have souls um which like yeah that, that's the whole thing he's doing here where like those pulp and hero characters are like bleeding into literally because he uses the word the bleed uh, into the the quote-unquote re real world of Planetary um but yeah like even then I don't know if there's much more to say about it than that and mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that's part of where the comic fails to me of, like, dealing with those meta ideas as, like, actual story and character stuff. Yeah. Because, um, like, by the end, it sometimes makes the comic feel, feel like just those characters aren't characters. They're just reasons like avatars for, for like, ideas. Yeah. Yeah, avatars for Ellis to, to do his big meta ideas without, like, an, an actual interesting... Maybe not interesting, but, like... I don't know. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd like an exploration of like, what is it like to know for certainty that you don't have a soul, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. that's an interesting idea that, you know, could have, like, can be thought provoking for people in general to be like, you know, the idea of what would it be like to know for certainty that there's an afterlife? And then what is it if you were the person who doesn't have that, right? And knowing yeah. that you, but all you that don't have like... that waiting for you. I, I think people that's having discussions about life, which I don't think he's interested in, uh, yeah. in at yeah. all in this comic. Yeah, it, agreed. Right, and I think it, it it is weaker for that. Right, like it's not like Alan Moore would have those discussions. I think Alan Moore would be, you know, like oh, yeah, diving sure. into that stuff I mean, because I think that's what he'd be interested honestly, in. Honestly, I think <laughs> doing this comic as our second episode really made it suffer from the comparison with doing Watchmen a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> sure, like, I that's mean, that's yeah. a tough road to walk i mean i, for, I like for this. any comic but especially for this yeah. one I, I, agreed i mean i At like this comic me. quite a bit uh like I'm, I'm 
still it's definitely in the pro column for me but yes it doesn't yeah it doesn't hold a candle to Watchmen. um yeah let's see is there anything else oh, okay so i wanted to talk now about the uh the mission statement of planetary the organization within the comic which is to like save the strange and like curate the oddness in the world and the experiences and like to to document it to be the archaeologists of the strange to me at the end all of a sudden i was like oh this is just warren ellis inserting that it is a worthy and noble endeavor to become like a curator of pop culture like it almost feels like he's self aggrandizing himself as somebody who's like i'm someone who knows you know i know about these pulp heroes from the 20s and i'm keeping them alive by putting them to my comic and like it became like planetary is a function of himself writing the comic planetary which is it's maybe kind of an interesting idea but also one that i'm like just kind of like especially in the year 2022 the idea that like pop culture is the thing that has to be like valued and appreciated and stuff like more now than ever especially i think more than 20 years ago that I'm just like, okay, no, pop culture is, uh, <laughs> it rules way too much of everyone's yeah, existence. I mean, yeah, nerds have one, like, calm down. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But I, I do think, like, it works as, I think it works as an idea, and I think, like, he makes that connection, and it, it, it's interesting, even if I'm kind of uh, not on board with the, like, the grandiosity of that statement. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I guess for me, like by the end, their mission statements turns into just stopping the four, which we mentioned before. But the four are like the planetary stake on the Fantastic Four, except they're villains and like they're they're hoarding every like highly scientific thing they've created that could, like every science fiction idea invention they've created that could theoretically uh, save the world, like mm-hmm. heal diseases, like put us into the, the realm of utopia uh, they're holding and they're keeping from from the rest of the population which is like yeah. literalizing something people say about like marvel and fantastic four and like why tony stark isn't giving the the like technology of uh, iron man armors to everyone like why isn't reed richards giving his like inventions to the to the whole world um, like that, that he's literalizing that here he as like a villainous thing yeah which, like yeah sure can be interesting, but like I, I don't know how much they do with that here, and like it's not commentary on like I don't know capitalism or, or anything. Right. It's it, just if like, anything, it's commentary on the false nature of big two superhero comics, which like is not yeah. that interesting because yeah, like duh, you have to have a level of buy-in to these universes, right? Yeah. Like you buy in. Yeah, and by the end, it's just like it's just used as like it's just, like the explanation is just a law reason once again is sure. that like aliens ask them to. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm they sell out the world to, like, Ego the Living Planet, basically. Um, yeah. Which I like the design on that Ego the Living Planet, having, like, multiple yeah. faces and it being mechanical. That's fun. I, I was thinking at the end of this, like, what... Because the, the four in this, which is the Fantastic Four stand-in, is a really big part of this comic. Like, they are the main villains of this comic. They run throughout it. Like, they kind of loom in the background. We don't even meet uh, the, like, Richard and Sue versions until, I think, the next to last issue. But... They're like they're overshadowing everything here, and I was like, why? Why are they such a big deal? I think there's something to them being like the beginning of the Marvel universe proper, right? Like Fantastic Four number yeah. one is the and first the thing. return of superheroes as like the biggest thing and the thing everything has to be right because they talk. There's a few things here. There's a few little stories about like how the four were creating a fictional 
like sending people to a fictional universe that was then made into reality and like a character from a fictional universe now becoming part of the reality and it becomes like the fictional reality supersedes our reality um and like it was a little muddy but i was like i think like i think you're just talking about the marvel universe here by the end right that they're going to take over and like that fake reality then becomes the real reality like the that the fantastic four start um yeah, which i do man. think it's th- yeah, there is man <laughs> <laughs> yes i know i will say i think he does a better job of uh like gesturing to this than i am although i do think it is still somewhat slight but like i think there's yeah. kind of something there right that like no, there, there's something then you're, you're creating such whole, a big like, world here that, yeah you know that people become so invested in and i mean we know this like with my world here like that world becomes so all-encompassing especially to like devoted fans uh that you know everything starts getting filtered through this fictional world uh so like maybe maybe there's something halfway interesting there it's not the most uh fleshed out idea but just something i was thinking about at the end no and i like the like there's a big idea of um differentiating the i don't know the, the fiction and pulp stories of like centuries and at one point you have um uh, snow meeting like the the characters of the 19th century like i think the only two we mm-hmm. meet are sherlock holmes who like was kind of his teacher and uh and dracula mm-hmm. and like that that's a yeah. fun idea it, like that works for me on like literally just a fun idea uh level like there's not much more to it but, like yeah the, the idea of him meeting the the heroes and characters of the last century and being the the comics the comic being so focused on the current century and what it takes from that and what it's gonna become by the time it reaches the the 21st century which is like that's something you, you told me like i knew the comic started in 99 and because it was 27 issues at i assume it was like just like from 99 to maybe 2001 so it was very turn of the century but no it ended in 2009 like a tenth of the yeah. way through the, the 21st yeah, century yeah yeah have you have you read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the Alan Moore comic? I, I we've had the discussion. You, oh, you've I've seen only the watched movie. the LXG film. Okay, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we, we got to check that out sometime because I think you like yeah. what, what you were just saying. That's kind of what he does there. He's just like here's all these yeah, you know, like nineteenth sure. century pulp heroes that you know all smushed together. And Alan Moore, I think, has the good sense of not being like. And there's a subtext of about like discussing their. You know, like I think he is just like this is a fun love letter to those comics and not yeah. those comics those stories and those characters um while like writing an engaging pulp story myself and uh you know mm-hmm. I, I like that he Alan Moore can function on like the level of like sometimes it's barely about the you know the genre trappings I'm using and sometimes it's just about them um yeah so uh I, th- I think that functions just like a very fun pulp adventure like mixing together the stuff that, that we're familiar with Okay, so anything else about Planetary? I mean, I, I come down, obviously, much more positively on you. I, I think that, yeah. like, for me, that idea of, like, it just being a fun amalgamation of all these things, like, fun and creative enough and felt like the, you know, the, having that Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the TV being like, hey, that thing. Like, There's a lot of that. I understood that reference is, yeah, like, a right. big thing with uh, all that. And, like, maybe a part of it is, like, I didn't... I probably didn't understand a lot of the references. Like, everything that's, like, Marvel DC stuff, yeah, for sure, I get. A lot of stuff, like, that you talked about, like, during a conversation right here, like, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know about. Like, the the thing you referenced with the, like, angel aliens, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Like, there, yeah. there's a lot of, maybe, maybe just by missing a lot of it, like, 
it makes for a less fun experience. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I was... I know, I, honestly, I was expecting this to work way better for me on a, like, purely nerd level. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, it was missing that central core to stand on that I could, like, hold on to, whether it be, like, the characters or a more, I don't know, stronger central story that yeah. I never found in it. Um, and, yeah, it didn't help that I'm not... I didn't love a lot of Alice's, like, dialogue writing and banter between the, the main characters. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting comic, and, like, the the art space of it, like, let's talk about the covers one more time. The covers, like, without them, I don't know, I don't know if the, like, setting of individual homages would work as well. I guess, like, every time the very, the few, first few pages do that also, by doing a very specific framing and, like, formal way the, the panels are adjusted, the pages are, like, um, placed. Uh, that's not a word. Um, but yeah, like it it introduces every issue by setting you into the the world and the genre mm-hmm. of of each issue. Yeah. Um, like that. Usually, that's. I mean, honestly, usually that's where the the stylistic reproduction of the original things works the best for me before the characters start talking. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I wonder. Have you have you read much Hellboy? I don't think I've read any yet, Hellboy. I wonder how you react to Hellboy, because Hellboy is... I think there's some parallels to the way that it's, like, very, like, serialized. Like, this is a story about, you know, this old Irish ghoul <laughs> and Hellboy interacting yeah. with this ghoul. And this next one's about Hellboy fighting Rasputin. And the next one's about Hellboy fighting a Naga and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, like, it does a very similar thing where, like, yeah, there's, like, larger story brewing, like, very quietly in the background, little details that start to link up over time, and Baba Yaga is yeah. floating around the background, whatever. But, like, I mean, I my guess would be you would fall for it more just because the characters, uh, I think you would just like Hellboy as a character and, like, yeah. get invested in him as a character, even if, like, there's not a larger plot necessarily for, at least for a big chunk of it. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. Hell, Hellboy is like, it's a huge, <laughs> it's a huge undertaking. There's so much Hellboy at this point, but it's something that's definitely like on my mind to cover at some point on the show. I'm sure we'll have a, yeah. an excuse to talk about it in some, some, at some point. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think that was, that was a good conversation. I'm glad we, we read this and, uh, t- well, I mean, I'm glad we read it cause I enjoyed it, but, uh, yeah. I, I'm glad to honestly, like you, you, t- I mean, you didn't talk that much about it. The few times I heard you talk about it, like you talked about it, like a comic you really, really like. And like reading it, I was like, if I didn't know you liked it, I'd be like, oh, this is the kind of comic Zach will <laughs> would absolutely despise. I think like, so. I yeah, think, I'm, I'm kind of surprised how much you like it. <laughs> I definitely understand that because I I am resistant often to that kind of like fan baiting, kind of like, yeah. hey, you love this thing, you recognize it, that's the charm. You recognize and love this thing. I think like it also functions as just a good version of that thing. Yeah. For me, at least, right? Like, it just, it wasn't just saying, like, hey, you, I mean, the Vertigo issue was an example of, like, hey, you recognize these Vertigo characters. They're standing in the background. Is that enough? Do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was nothing. <laughs> but the, um, you know, the the Storenko stuff, like, it was a fun enough spy thing in and of itself that I had a good time with it. I do remember I mean, looking It's at- nice to have you be the nerd for once. <laughs> yeah yeah so dave let, let's uh, maybe we can make this a little bit of a segment see where dave put these comics on his best comics of all time Ooh, we didn't mention Watchmen before but it is his number one uh what a obvious yep. choice dave 
for your number one. Uh, Planetary is number 124. And Charlotte, you're going to love this. You know what 123 is? Young Avengers Volume 2 or something like that. It's a, it's a Gillen comic, probably. The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. He put it. It should be, it should be higher. <laughs> Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck is a great comic. I'm so actually he... a bit insulted that it's that close to Planetary. <laughs> Him putting this at 124, uh, I'm... Le- I, I I remember looking at this in past and being like, what? That's crazy low. And now I'm like, no, that's about right. That sounds good. I think it's very yeah. good, but not like in the upper echelons of, you know, like Masterpiece comics. Um, yeah. But to me, a lot a lot to still recommend it. It also goes down yeah. so What's easy. Below? I think it took as much time for me to read these 27 issues as it did the entirety of Watchmen, which is only 12. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very. I don't know. Crazy, it was a big, a bit more of a slug to get through than uh, Watchmen. Okay. Yeah, for, for me, different it was, reasons. It breathed through. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, right, what's so, right uh, below Landry? With the of QSD? No, no. Uh, just a second. Okay, back. DC Metal, <laughs> the complete event. Ooh, which okay. I not, which I have not read. Uh, under that, Underwater Welder, which I have read by Jeff Lemire, and Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom: Triumph in Torment. Which uh, we read that for my Ooh, that's year. It's pretty good. Below planetary? Okay. Interesting. Interesting choices, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, actually, you're going to hate this. 133, Mortal Hulk. So 10 below this is a Mortal Hulk. Film. Okay, that's crazy. That is that's a, little, that's crazy. a little crazy. Yeah, that's a little crazy. Um, oh, and House of X is way below this. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna, okay, I'm, wait. I'm no, closing I'm... this tab before Charlotte gets too mad. <laughs> yeah. uh, and... Dave, we need to talk. Yep. Uh, next month, we are going to be covering Peter Cannon Thunderbolt by Kieran Gillen. Uh, Ooh, and... I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I read this like right when it came out. I read it all in one sitting and I remember liking it, but I don't remember much about it except thinking, oh, this is just talking about Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember it being... It's it's one of my Gillen, like, um, what's the word? Blind spots? Uh, the blind spots, yeah, thank you. Yep. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm curious, and it also will be a nice break. Uh, it's only five issues long. It'll be a nice break before we then go into The Boys, which is 72 issues, which again, I don't know if I'm going to read wait, all 72, but... <laughs> 72 <laughs> issues it... of Goth Ennis. <laughs> That's... I'll, I'll give it my best shot. Something. Um, yeah. I am I am watching the show now uh, in preparation, so I'm like four-ish episodes in, and uh, it's very good. Yeah. It's good I love what, what you said on our conversation with uh, Dave, which was like, I'm watching The Boys and prepare for me to be insufferable with the MCU from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's crazy how I'm. I mean, like, yeah, it is so much better than anything that the MCU has done for shows, and I kind of like those shows. Okay, but there's so much more care put into just a single issue of the boys uh, issue episode. Episode. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um. All right. If you like the show, please support us at Patreon.com/slash/MyRealCR. Go spread the word. Uh, if you're on social media, if you got friends who you know think would be into reading comic books and reading more a wider variety of comic books besides just superhero comics or marvel dc superhero comics uh, as it stands um yeah spread that word our music is by fm skyline thank you for that and uh ooh, i forgot to do it but oh, still i still have an outro no i swear next time we will have an outro next time i think that's gonna sure. be our outro for the whole podcast no, i swear that would next be, time we'll have an outro <laughs> no that would be really corny if every episode we just said we'll do it next time we can't do that um but next time i promise i'll definitely have one Ready yep. for next Let's time. extra those issues. <laughs> Let's extra those issues. <laughs> extra Bye, pepper on those issues. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.